This was done back in the Soviet times. It is important that the free world helps the Russian people get access to the truth about the horrific crimes that the Putin regime is committing supposedly on their behalf. Working on it. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling there's something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, hi. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites blanketing planet Earth, maybe even in Russia? Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around Swell Fellow Says Me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us. We will be joined momentarily by two guests with a fascinating uh, sort of under-the-radar effort. Is that uh, a way to put it, That would be a very good way to put it. Under-the-radar effort to counter Russian propaganda inside of Russia. And I'm very much looking forward to that conversation. But on a not unrelated note, let me start here. As our friend and longtime media analyst Eric Bullert reported in his press run newsletter this past week, uh, he writes, right before traveling to Helsinki in 2018 to meet Russian leader Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump went off on a tirade declaring much of the U.S. media to be the, quote, Enemy of the people, unquote. Remember, oh, yes. Remember that? I do. The timing of the pre-summit attack was jarring, considering that phrase gained its notorious association during the purges ordered by Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin, which killed tens of millions of people. Trump's enemies of the people blast came days just before he met with Putin, whose reign has included murdering journalists. Fast forward four years, and Putin is now putting Trump's deep hatred of the press into practice, signing into law a ban on all independent news reporting about the Ukraine invasion. The sweeping censorship law designed to eradicate, quote, fake news. Yes, really? Fake news about Russia's immoral incursion represents Trump's anti-media fantasy come to life. The New York Times reported last weekend Russian officials claim that journalists writing critically about the war or even just calling it a, quote, war or a, quote, invasion 
are undermining the national interest, even referring to them as traitors. Besides criminalizing the sharing of, quote, false information, it makes, quote, discrediting Russia's use of its military in Ukraine in any way, calling on other countries to impose sanctions on Russia or even just protesting the invasion of Ukraine, punishable by fines and years of imprisonment. Last week, two of Russia's best-known independent broadcast outlets, the Echo of Moscow radio station and the TV Rain television channel, shut down under pressure from the state. None of that, apparently, is a problem for some here at home uh, on, well, not state-run TV, at least not currently, at least as long as Trump is not in the White House, but Republican-run TV, Fox News, where after years of such praise and more recently holding Putin up as a strong leader compared to the, quote, weak Joe Biden, Fox News today, ironically enough, cannot even report themselves safely from inside of Russia. Oh, the irony. <laughs> which I'm sure they haven't bothered to notice, at least not out loud, at least on the air. Uh, as Bullard asks, does anyone doubt that if Trump were reelected, he would try to outlaw portions of independent journalism in the U.S.? Well, I don't. Now, whether he'd be successful or not, that's a separate issue. Some feel that our First Amendment is sacrosanct and could never be violated. Then again, there are those of us who live through things like 9-11, and the U.S. wars against Afghanistan and Iraq that followed and the subsequent self-censorship by the mainstream corporate media who, by and large, went along with the George W. Bush administration's intimidation to report only, you know, U.S. state propaganda about those wars. Those of us with clarion, well-supported opposition, all later proven to be 100% correct, particularly on claims we knew at the time to be false regarding weapons of mass destruction, folks like us were routinely ignored, blocked from access to the pages of the major newspapers and magazines and even television shows on theoretically non-wingnut cable news stations like MSNBC, which actually canceled programs for daring to question the official U.S. reasoning for going to war too loudly. Just ask Phil Donahue, whose show on MSNBC at the time was its most popular, and yet it was canceled. That, of course, is self-censorship, but a presidential administration, particularly during a time of war, has a lot of power and intimidation to impose on those who do not tow the official state-approved line. Some of us saw that firsthand, lived through it. So, yes, it could happen here, but it is definitely happening right now in Russia, big time. In addition to shutting down independent media outlets in the country and threatening to arrest journalists from foreign media outlets who do not toe the line, the Kremlin has announced it will block access to Russian-language media produced outside of the country, like the websites of Voice of America, Radio Free Europe, and Radio Liberty, and the popular Latvian-based news outlet Medusa. Russia's last major independent newspaper, Novaya Gazeta, is deleting all of its content about the war in Ukraine. So independent news media outlets from both inside the country and out in Russia are being shut or have been shut down. What about social media, which 
as here is very popular in Russia, well, Netflix and TikTok suspended most of their services in Russia this week as the government cracks down on what people and media outlets can say about the war in Ukraine, according to AP. TikTok said Russian users of the popular social media app would no longer be able to post new videos or live streams, and they also would not be able to see videos that were shared from elsewhere in the world. They claim that allowing such videos and streams would put their own employees in Russia in great danger. The TikTok spokesman said uh, the safety of our employees is our top priority, adding that the uh, company didn't want to put either its Russian employees or users at risk of severe criminal penalties. Well, suppression accomplished. By and large, the only thing left that Russians in Russia have easy access to is state-approved, state-run media outlets. But there, I am happy to note today, there's actually a bit of good news. I think some cracks are beginning to show even on pro-Putin, Kremlin-approved, state-run media, as the Daily Beast Julia Davis reports. Davis is a Russia expert who's been following Russian media and its most popular evening news programs and reporting back to all of us what they are actually saying to their audiences over the past several weeks. She writes, there is a notable mood shift in Russia. She wrote this yesterday, as darkness sets over its economy and the invasion of Ukraine hits major problems. While the beginning of Putin's full-scale war against Ukraine was greeted with cheers and clapping and demands of champagne in the studio, the reality sobered up even the most pro-Kremlin pundits and experts on Russian state television this week. The ugly truth about Russia's invasion of Ukraine, she writes, is slipping through the cracks. She reports... On Wednesday's edition of the popular state TV show The Evening with Vladimir Solovyev, whose host claimed the fallout of Russia's bombing of a maternity hospital this week was, quote, fake, with no one there to be injured. But even on the show run by Solovyev, who was recently sanctioned as an accomplice of Putin by the European Union, things do seem to be beginning to turn. Andrei Sidorov, deputy dean of world politics at Moscow State University, a guest this week on Solovyev's program, cautioned, quote, for our country, this period won't be easy. It will be very difficult. It might even be more difficult than it was for the Soviet Union from 1945 until the 1960s. Unfortunately, he said, the Soviet Union had a consolidating idea on which its system was built. Unlike the Soviet Union, Russia has nothing like that to offer. State TV pundit Karen Shaknazarov pointed out, quote, The war in Ukraine paints a frightening picture. It has a very oppressive influence on our society. Ukraine, whichever way you see it, is something with, with which Russia has thousands of human links. The suffering of one group of innocents does not compensate for the suffering of other innocent people. She said, I don't see the probability of denazification of such an enormous country. We would need to bring in one and a half million soldiers to control all of it. I don't see any political power that would consolidate the Ukrainian society in a pro-Russian direction, she said. Again, on this Kremlin-approved evening news show. The most important thing in this scenario, she said, is to stop our military action. Hmm. 
After accusing the U.S. of starting the war, she went on to say that public opinion within Russia is changing. People are shocked by the masses of refugees, the humanitarian catastrophe. People start to imagine themselves in their place. It's starting to affect them, she said. Well, good. To say that the Nazis are doing that is not quite convincing, she said. Hmm. The host frowned at the apparent departure from the officially approved line of thinking, according to Davis. But the next guest also agreed with Shak Nazarov. Uh, this was uh, Semyon Bagdazarov, a Russian Middle East expert who grimly said, quote, We didn't even feel the impact of the sanctions yet. We need to be ready for total isolation. He said, I'm not panicking, just calling things by their proper name. Uh, this is a turn from what Julia Davis had reported had uh, occurred on this very same show in the weeks prior. Solovyev, the pro-Kremlin host of the show, angrily sniped uh, to those experts, gotcha, we should just lay down and die. That dude needs a job on Fox News. <laughs> as a matter of fact, uh, later... As uh, Davis notes, to lighten the mood in the studio at the end of all of this, the host resorted to one of the favorite pastimes of many Kremlin propagandists, playing yet another Fox News clip of Tucker Carlson. Of course. So there are cracks, even in Russia's state approved media. That's good news. At least there were cracks on one state-run show this week in Moscow, as Davis uh, reports. Nonetheless, Western military experts, for whatever their opinion is worth, all seem to be suggesting that this war uh, is going to get much worse before it gets better, as most in Russia do not see or hear or read anything that is not Kremlin-approved. But now... There are some folks here in the U.S. who have an idea, an idea about how to try, at least, and circumvent the blackout on non-state-approved media making its way into Russia. And over the past week, they have quietly begun to put their plan into action, turning back to a technology that most of us, including state-run media outlets from the U.S., like Voice of America and Radio Free Europe, uh, a technology they thought was all but dead after the end of the Cold War. It turns out, rumors of the death of this technology may have been slightly exaggerated, <laughs> along with the death of the USSR. Joining us next are two guests working on this fascinating new-slash-old wartime effort, which, as they say in the sitcoms, is just crazy enough that it just might work. We'll find out. That's straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. 
Yeah, and you thought the Cold War was over. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. If you felt that way, don't feel bad. Apparently so did Voice of America. They thought the Cold War was over and the BBC and Germany's Deutsche Welle, at least until their reach to folks in Russia, was recently cut off as the invasion of Ukraine began. As Reuters reported last week, Russia cut access to several foreign news organizations' websites, including the BBC and Deutsche Welle, for spreading what it alleged was false information about its war in Ukraine. Russia has repeatedly complained that Western media organizations offer a partial and often anti-Russian view of the world while failing to hold their own leaders to account for devastating foreign wars such as Iraq and uh, and corruption. Reuters notes that Russia's censorship agency said last week that it had blocked the websites of the BBC, Voice of America, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, Deutsche Welle and other media outlets. Access has been restricted to a host of information resources owned by foreigners, the Russia uh, media watchdog said in a statement. The grounds for restricting access to these information resources on the territory of the Russian Federation was their deliberate and systematic circulation of materials containing false information. That from the Russian Censorship Authority. Last week, Russia criminalized reporting on their invasion into Ukraine, banning specific types of coverage, such as describing the invasion as an invasion or a war rather than a special military operation. Or, as state-run media outlet Sputnik sometimes refers to it on their English-language news outlets, the situation in Ukraine. Leading Western news organizations, including CNN, CBS and the BBC, announced that they are now ceasing reporting from Russia to protect their their own journalists from arrests. And outlets such as Washington Post have stopped including bylines on their reports from Russia in hopes of protecting their journalists there. Vladimir Karamurza, a Russian opposition politician who was twice poisoned in what he believes were assassination attempts by Vladimir Putin's regime, uh, he has not been deterred. He is the vice chair of Open Russia, a non-governmental organization that promotes civil society and democracy in Russia. On Thursday night on MSNBC, he explained, in addition to the military war, Putin is also waging an information war against anyone who does not adhere to the Kremlin's depiction of their assault on Ukraine as anything more than a special operation to, quote, demilitarize and denazify, in Putin's word, Russia's neighboring sovereign nation. Everybody's rightly focusing on on the war of aggression, the actual war that Vladimir Putin um, has been uh, leading against Ukraine. Uh, But there is another war uh, that the Kremlin regime has conducted very swiftly and very successfully, and that has been the war on what remained uh, of independent media in Russia and what remained of Russian civil society. Literally every single major independent media outlet in Russia has been shut down. And so the astonishing and mind-boggling fact, however incredulous it sounds, is that most people in Russia today do not even know that there is a war that Vladimir Putin's regime is uh, conducting against Ukraine. Uh, And what Putin's military forces are doing are conducting a so-called targeted special operation that does not in any way affect civilians. 
In a Washington Post op-ed last week, Kara Mirza explained that the truth is completely absent from Russian state television, which is presenting viewers with an Orwellian reality in which it is Ukraine and the West, not Putin, that are to blame for the hostilities and in which there is no war and no civilian casualties. He writes, such a total lie depends on a similarly total monopoly on news coverage. After silencing critical voices on television and radio, even small pockets of independent media that could show Russians what heinous crimes their government is committing could present an existential danger to the system. For the same reason, Russia has blocked Twitter and Facebook, both popular social media platforms with millions of Russian users. Near total darkness has descended on Russia's information space with frightening speed, he writes. Just one day after Putin's new media restrictions law came into effect, police raided the offices of a prominent opposition leader and publisher who has been vocal, a vocal critic of Putin's attacks on Ukraine since 2014. In a separate town, writes Karamurza, police detained a Russian Orthodox priest over his church sermon against the war. Karamurza notes, as the world's democracies rightly prioritize helping Ukraine withstand Putin's aggression, they should not overlook the other important task, helping Russian citizens gain access to objective information about the war and the Putin regime in general. Now that the Kremlin has silenced all independent media voices, he says, democratic nations must step up efforts to provide news coverage for Russian citizens in the Russian language as they did during Soviet times when Radio Liberty, the BBC Russian service, and other Western broadcasters reached millions of listeners inside the Soviet Union. Unfortunately, after the Cold War, many of those outlets, including Voice of America, began cutting back and ending many of their Russian-language broadcasts into the former Soviet Union states. But now... A grassroots funding effort is underway to raise money to transmit Voice of America programming into Eastern Europe through shortwave radio, a somewhat dated form of technology, but one that supporters of this effort believe during wartime can, in fact, circumvent Russia's crackdown on tech companies and various other media outlets. The U.S. Agency for Global Media, or USAGM, which is the parent agency for both Voice of America and Radio Free Europe Radio Liberty, has chosen not to transmit their programming in the region through shortwave radio for some reason. But, as The Hill is reporting, organizers behind a crowdfunding campaign have already secured one station in Florida to share VOA's daily English programming about Ukraine, within days of the effort's launch. Shortwave radio may not be the most popular way for the public to gain information in the digital age, but supporters of the effort said that during a crisis like the war in Ukraine, it's critical to use a method that can break through the Kremlin's obstruction of outside media. In times of crisis, said Gerhard Straub, the former director of the Broadcast Technology Division at USAGM and one of the folks working on this effort, If the content is compelling, the audience will go where they know the information is. I hope so. Joining us now to discuss what uh, some in the group have dubbed as short hashtag shortwaves for freedom 
are two members of this fascinating wartime grassroots attempt to counter state-controlled media inside of Russia from here in the U.S., Kate Nicewender is a California trial lawyer who focuses on environmental law, business, real estate. She served for a time as chief consultant to the California State Senate Natural Resources and Wildlife Committee. Uh, And currently, she tells me she is trying to retire, but it is not going well. Kate Nicewender, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Also joining us for this discussion is Kim Andrew Elliott, a former radio host and audience research analyst at Voice of America, where he worked for more than 30 years. He's also a longtime shortwave radio fan and licensed shortwave radio operator who now produces Shortwave Radiogram, uh, Radiogram, a program transmitted from WRMI in Florida. Kim Elliott, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Brad. Kate, let me uh, let me begin with you here. How did this effort start? I, I think it's fascinating, but how did it start? Uh, as an attorney, how did you get mixed up with all of these old uh, shortwave uh, radio and, and retired uh, Voice of America folks? And, and what's the ultimate hope here for these shortwave broadcasts? Oh, that, that's uh, quite a few questions packed into a short period of time. Let me just see if I can do it justice. Good. Um, <laughs> I was a broadcaster for seven years back in the early days, mm-hmm. uh, before I went to law school, and maintains contacts with a lot of the folks um, who are now at VOA and other places around the country. So it was, uh, you say, how did this, how did this, how, how did it come, come about? Yeah, yeah. How did it happen? Well, it it was really um, very organic. People started talking about what VOA is doing, Mm -hmm. why they aren't jumping into shortwave as BBC did almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, where are we? BBC's already on shortwave. Where are we? So the phone calls and the texts and the emails started flowing around, and and somebody said, well, we can put ourselves on uh, on shortwave. Mm -hmm. We we can take VOA, Radio Free Europe Broadcasting, which is, by the way, free. It is free content because it is in the public domain from the minute it is created. There's no need to pay for it or ask for permission. You can just broadcast it. That's uh, from Voice of America and Radio Free Liberty, both produced by the uh, uh, the same agency. The USAGM is yeah. the umbrella organization, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's good content. It's solid journalism. And it was a just a logical step. It did not take a lot of thinking to say, well, we can put it on shortwave. So that's how it all got started. Uh-huh. I wish I could take credit for it. I cannot. It was not my idea. <laughs> but I uh, was enlisted to become the face of the fundraising just simply because you know, it's, I, it's easy for a lawyer to do something like that. I got gotcha. Point person. Well, and aside from the funding itself, which we'll talk about uh, 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 more in a bit, does your group now have what it actually needs to carry this out? I know this has all come about very quickly over the past week or so, and I think you've got one station transmitting out of Miami, I believe. But do yes. you need more equipment, more transmitters, more stations willing to share this programming, whether it's here or uh, or closer to Russia in Europe, etc.? Well, the the. It happened very quickly. We put the fundraiser information up late Sunday, mm-hmm. and by Monday we had enough money to start broadcasting out of the Florida station. Um, it, it happened very quickly. People are obviously very supportive of this effort. They see the value mm-hmm. of shortwave. 
when all other sources of information are being foreclosed. Uh, so the only thing we really need is money, mm. because, well, let's use Florida, for example. When we raised this to the folks in Florida, they immediately jumped on board and gave us this incredible rate as a charity rate, if you will, because they believed in the, in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're finding that when we approach broadcasters, they're very willing to cut the rates that they normally charge because they think this is an important thing. They're all behind Ukraine. They want this information out. So as a result, all we really need is to keep this crowdfunding going. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have enough now to easily go for 30 to 45 days yeah. uh, on several different stations, which is the plan. Uh, we are broadcasting solely right now. I think we're still only doing English, but I'll leave that to Kim. I know that we are planning on moving into Ukrainian language and Russian language programs starting Monday. Wow. Uh, and uh, just to give credit where it's due, that Florida station is WRMI Radio Miami International. And I know their uh, general manager there has been uh, very supportive of this as well. Kim, Andrew Elliott, I know there are a number of uh, former VOA folks, uh, Voice of America folks involved with your group. When I first heard about the effort, I thought, well, A, sounds like a great idea. But B, does anybody actually use shortwave radio anymore? Does anybody even have shortwave receivers in Russia or Ukraine where they can pick up these broadcasts? Well, nowadays, for sure, uh, fewer people will be listening to shortwave and fewer people have shortwave radios. Mm-hmm. Um, they moved moved to the internet for uh, consumption of a lot of content, including news from abroad. Um, but when the internet is is cut, squeezed, uh, blocked, and and at some point, maybe even with the lines coming into the country uh, cut off, then radio will be the only way to get into the country. And then the uh, the people in those countries will have to try to find their old Soviet-era shortwave radios, or maybe they bought a, a, a cheap Chinese-made uh, multi-band portable, or, uh, or if they're uh, uh, radio amateurs, they can use those transceivers. Mm-hmm. So there are some out there. Uh, the audience now would be smaller, but uh, that audience then can pass the information on to the, uh, the larger audience in those countries. And I uh, spoke with uh, someone else in your group, uh, Gerhard Straub, uh, yesterday, I believe, who said, you know what, the the Cold War w- ended not all that long ago, really. And so a lot of folks may still have their uh, shortwave equipment from the uh, from the 80s up in their attic that they can get to. Uh, apparently, uh, Kim, after the uh, uh, after their website was cut off in Russia, as Kate noted, the BBC World Service immediately jumped in, said they are turning back to shortwave broadcasting uh, into Russia. Uh, and yet, when a reporter for The Hill asked USAGM, the parent company of VOA, if they intended to do the same, the spokesperson there said... Well, uh, their content currently reaches audiences in Russia, Ukraine, and the region through TV, FM, and medium wave radio, that's AM radio, uh, digital, and direct-to-home satellite. But aren't those exactly the outlets that the Putin government has been blocking or, or jamming, etc.? Well, certainly the, uh, the Internet is being squeezed. Uh, um, the, there is a little bit of uh, AM band or medium wave radio coming from the, from the Baltics, um, satellite is, is a tricky issue. Most of the satellite consumption in, in, in Russia is um, 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 authorized services like our own DirecTV and Dish, Dish Network, the Russian equivalent of mm-hmm. those. And so all the channels that would be on those uh, 
satellite services are are uh, are approved by the government, and that would not include any Western uh, news broadcasts. Uh, so, um, yeah, a lot of it is blocked, and that's why um, uh, radio uh, across the border, whether it's uh, medium wave or or short wave, uh, is the final final workaround. Yeah, and that's why I'm sort of flummoxed as to why VOA is not already doing something like this. I mean, th- they used to do this, did they not, during the Cold War, b- broadcast over shortwave? Oh, sure, during the shortwave, but, but uh, they're, they're going by their audience research, which showed that uh, in normal times, uh, uh, the Internet was the main way for people in Russia and Ukraine and uh, most other countries to get uh, news and information from abroad. Mm-hmm. And also, I think they're very optimistic about methods to circumvent um, uh, net uh, Internet uh, s- uh, censorship. Mm-hmm. So um, now how well that is actually working, uh, we need some good objective um, evaluation of that. But I think it'll get worse, uh, the Internet uh, blockages. And uh, at that point, the the radio would be a really good workaround. And even if even if still you have a large Internet audience in Russia, I think you need to have the shortwave in the bullpen warming up, ready to go if things get worse. Yeah. Are, are you in touch with any of your old uh, uh, VOA colleagues who are still working there? I'm wondering how how they feel about this. Are they frustrated that Voice of America is not doing this themselves? The BBC is doing it, after all. Are, are you in touch with any of those folks still? Oh, occasionally I'm in touch, but I, I don't have a lot of influence with mm-hmm. them. I, uh, Kate, I know you're uh, an attorney. Uh, you, you mentioned the uh, legal issues, the fact that these are uh, public domain programs that come from Voice of America that can be rebroadcast as, uh, as public domain. But do shortwave broadcasts like this require any sort of special licensing over the airwaves? Are there any hurdles that you guys need to get over? Or is this just a matter of... Uh, hearing from stations, I was delighted to hear that you could broadcast from Florida uh, via shortwave, and that could be that could make it all the way to Europe, I guess. Uh, but are you looking for, uh, you know, uh, more uh, transmitters and so forth around the world? Uh, well, yes, we are in fact looking for more transmission um, locations around the world, just simply because uh, we want to make sure that the message gets to the right place, meaning Eastern Europe and Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the location of the transmissions, uh, the frequencies, etc., all that stuff is, is, has got to be kept secret because it could be targeted for mm. uh, interference. And Kim might be able to talk to this more mm-hmm. carefully <laughs> in engineering terms rather than my very broad brush. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you have to be careful about where you're broadcasting from because you don't want to be shut down, I'm just to be blunt. Are- as far as costs are concerned or uh, licensing, etc., no, there's no need for licensing. It is absolutely free range out there for shortwave. Uh, we can go ahead and upload the VOA program either live or on delay, whether that be in English, Russian, or Ukraine. It immediately goes on to the air, and whoever has the proper transmission equi- or reception equipment can receive it. I had been talking to you guys about this effort uh, before I saw this um, uh, this interview with Vladimir Karamurza, Murza that I, I played a bit of uh, earlier, uh, and uh, I, I was just struck when I heard him speak. It sounded like 
he is talking to you guys directly. I don't know if you saw this interview. Let me play just one more piece of it here, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, when he called for, in fact, Western media to rapidly develop more Russian-language media reports to help pierce the new Iron Curtain that uh, Vladimir Putin is clearly erecting. Well, look, if this was done back in the Soviet times, when those Western radio broadcasters, you know, Radio Liberty, the BBC Russian service, Deutsche Welle, and so on, beamed the radio signal through the Iron Curtain to reach millions of listeners inside the Soviet Union, and, you know, Soviet dissidents and Western analysts alike um, emphasized just how important that voice of truth, that voice of objective information was in delegitimizing the totalitarian regime in the eyes of its own people and eventually leading to the collapse of the communist system and the end of the Cold War. It is important that the free world helps the Russian people get access to the truth about the horrific crimes that the Putin regime is committing supposedly on their behalf. That's a Russian opposition politician, Vladimir uh, Karamurza. Uh, Kim, it sounds like he's talking to you guys uh, in one <laughs> sense here. Is, is there any way to know if, uh, if, if these broadcasts are now that, that you've already begun transmitting via shortwave, that they're actually being received as intended inside of Russia? Kim, Kim can answer that one because he's been monitoring. But before he goes into the specifics of that, um, mm -hmm. I don't think that uh, the opposition leader was speaking directly to us. I think it's just so logical that this happened, mm. that anyone who understood what happened 40 years ago during the Cold War and the importance of getting good, solid journalism into that area, mm -hmm. how important that was, it just seems so logical just to extend it out now mm -hmm. when Putin's just using the same old playbook. Yep. But Kim, let me let me let you answer the more important question of where it's going and how far it's Yeah, going. is it is it reaching uh, its intended target yet, Kim? And is there any way to know that? Well, we do have access to um, remotely tunable receivers in the region, um, including in Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we can we can listen in on those uh, to to find out if the signal is getting through and the signal is getting through uh, to a very large extent, and sometimes with real, really good reception quality. Um, now, the direct feedback from the audience, that will probably take some days and weeks as the word gets around that these, uh, uh, these transmissions are available. Already, uh, WRMI received a, uh, a note from a, a diplomat in Egypt who heard uh, the oh. Russian transmission, and there is already uh, some test transmissions of Radio Free Europe Russian uh, on WRMI, and it is it is getting through. Uh, so, so I think the feedback will probably come in in, in the next uh, few days or, or weeks. Wow, it's just fascinating. Uh, how much are you uh, broadcasting uh, each day? I assume it's not twenty four hours around the clock. And is it uh, currently both in English and uh, Russian and or Ukrainian? How, how are you? Uh, what do these broadcasts sound like? There is. Um, not a lot of Ukrainian radio available from VOA or Radio Free Europe because uh, they kind of focus on the uh, uh, Internet text and, and uh, television products. Mm. There's some radio available from RFER, uh, Romanian, but they're, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ukrainian, but they're trying to figure out how to find that stuff. Now, uh, Radio Free Europe um, uh, Russian is, is, has a 24-hour stream, so it's easy to tap into. Mm. Um, and uh, VOA is, is not doing much radio 
in Russian and Ukrainian anymore, but there is certainly English broadcasting available, including an English program specifically about the region. It's called Flashpoint Ukraine. And that I think you have been uh, broadcasting that, as I understand it already. I've, uh, you know, I've spoken to folks at uh, Voice of America about this uh, over the years and more recently. But uh, Kim, maybe you can speak to this. How is how is VOA, which is after all uh, state-run media from here in the U.S., how is it any different from uh, Russia's various state-run media outlets like RT or Sputnik or TASS, etc.? I mean, I- if this is an information war, is it just uh, propaganda, so to speak, coming from both sides? Well, now you're getting into the dicey issue of government-funded but not government-controlled. Uh, uh, it is possible to have government-funded but not government-controlled news um, ideally, it shall all be done in the private sector, so there's no accusation of government control. But there's just no money in uh, broadcasting news internationally in languages like Hausa and Creole and, and Burmese. So uh, the government has to come in and subsidize that, but then the trick is for the government to keep its hands off the news. Um, the BBC is the archetype for doing that, but uh, and mostly it has succeeded over the years, although right now it's coming under some pressure from the U.K. government. Um, VOA uh, and, and uh, RFE have mostly, lately, uh, succeeded in keeping uh, separate from the government or, or out of the control of the government, although that's always a, uh, um, a fluid situation. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I think Kim is a diplomat because I think that the better answer to that question is, is a stronger one. VOA and RFE have a government imposed Mm -hmm. in the code, written by Congress, can't get around it, mandate, Mm -hmm. to be fair. They are not to be pressured by the government to be uh, leaning one way or the other. And during the Trump administration, there was a lot of pressure on a couple of VOA journalists who were reporting the news as they saw it, Mm -hmm. fairly, accurately, where they were being pressured by the Trump administration to change their tone and be more favorable to the administration. That didn't happen. There was a lot of pushback. And I'm I'm glad you point that out because I I know that it was uh, – there is, in fact, a charter – uh, that came into law during the Ford administration uh, that, you know, the, 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 the government cannot dictate what must, you know, what must or must not run on Voice of America and Radio Free Europe. Uh, one uh, journalist that Voice of America I spoke to uh, told me we're probably the only news, news organization in the world that is mandated to be fair, objective, and unbiased. That said... You know, our our listeners would do listeners in Russia understand that, or would they simply think, well, you know, these are just Western media lies and propaganda, uh, just like our state-run media lies uh, and, and puts out propaganda. Do they even understand the difference uh, when they're hearing these broadcasts? I'll leave this to either Kim or Kate. Well, let me jump in on that one. Um, think about this. You've got uh, I don't know uh, if everyone's seen these interviews, but there've been interviews that have been shown with Russian soldiers who say, hey, I'm really sorry, we were told that we were liberating the Ukrainian people and that they were being oppressed by fascists and Nazis, and, and I'm sorry we did this. Um, and the situation here is nothing like we were told. Think of those guys going home. You know, they come off the battlefield, they're wounded or whatever, they're sent back home. 
and they start talking to their neighbors quietly mm-hmm. about this exact situation. At that point, if those neighbors can tap in to a radio-free Europe broadcast in Russia explaining the situation and Ukrainians, the Ukrainians' massive efforts to rally the world to their cause and how successful that effort has been, that combination first-hand knowledge combined with these broadcasts coming in on shortwave, I think that will be very powerful. Mm. I hope you're right. Uh, and I hope uh, this uh, effort is successful. I know you're uh, well on your way, given you've only been at this for about a week. Uh, Kate, nice wonder, how can folks uh, how can folks help? I know there's I don't even know if you, you all have a, a, a website per se for this. I know that uh, you uh, some have been using hashtag shortwaves for freedom. Is there anywhere that our listeners can go to uh, somehow support this effort one way or another? The crowdfunding is on a website called fundraiser, F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R mm-hmm. dot com, and slash radio waves with an S, radio mm-hmm. waves. Uh, that's where we're collecting uh, our donations and trying to returning, turning them right around and giving them to the various stations who will be broadcasting. No one is getting a dime from this that's organizing it or running it. Every, money, every cent of the money that's coming in is going directly back out to fund these transmissions. That, so, that is fundraiser.com slash radio waves and fundraiser spelled fund, R-A-Z-R dot com. Uh, Kate Nicewender, greatly appreciate what, what you guys are, are doing here. I think it's a fascinating effort. I hope you will stay in touch. Uh, Kim Andrew Elliott, uh, you also have your own. Uh, do you still do your, your shortwave radiogram uh, program, Kim? Yes, it's on every, it's on every week, and uh, the website for that is swradiogram.net. That's SW for shortwave, SWRadiogram.net. Fascinating. Uh, thanks, uh, Kim, Andrew, Elliot, Kate, one, nice wonder. Uh, thanks, both of you, for joining us today on the broadcast. Good luck with this project, and please do stay in touch. Thank you. Thanks. You bet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. That is brilliant. A brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea. And hey, it just would be ironic if radio ends up saving the day. Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> radio should save the day. Radio will save the day. Shortwave radio. Uh, yeah, it, it's fascinating. It is like the Cold War all over again. Yeah. Um, but you got to do what you got to do, and, and it's great to see these guys stepping up. All right, uh, let's take a quick break here. Uh, speaking of what you got to do, uh, a fascinating story from Fox News of all places about Russian media and the woman who until recently ran it and has since quit and an interesting uh, musical response to all of this to end today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via brandblog.com slash donate. From Desi Doyen and myself... Thank you.
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, it, uh, in no small bit of irony here, this is an exclusive report from Republican-run media outlet Fox News last weekend. They detailed the fascinating story of the managing editor of Russia's state-run media outlet, Russia Today, better known as RT, who resigned from her role there as managing editor after condemning Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. As Fox's Brian Flood reports, Maria Baranova is well aware that anyone who speaks out against the Kremlin could be in danger, but personal safety, uh, he writes, is the least of Baranova's concerns. Quote, the problem is, I know these people well, she said. They never send threats, they just kill. So there is a kind of weird silence around me. But I really think we're on the brink of a nuclear war right now. She said, I'm not exaggerating. This is Baranova, the former managing editor until very recently of RT, telling uh, Fox News from Moscow via an interview over the uh, WhatsApp, uh, a call over WhatsApp. She said, it seems like we're either in North Korea or we're going to be killed by a thermonuclear mushroom. She said, I wouldn't quit and I wouldn't lose my salary and job if I was sure that we are going to be alive for many years. But I really don't know what is going to happen to all of us next. Oddly, while many around the globe are gravely concerned Putin would resort to nuclear weapons, Baranova is worried that his behavior will make Russia the target of a catastrophic attack. I suspect the Western world will use it, Baranova said. That's strange, isn't it? She said this is a very, very dangerous situation. And on that, I think she's right. It's a fascinating interview, and I'll link to it when I post today's broadcast at bradblog.com tonight. Uh, Baranova agreed to speak with uh, Fox's reporters, she said, until her child's dinner was ready. And then uh, near the end, she says people were in favor on the first day of invasion. She's talking about Russians. Now they are less convinced and much more skeptical because they understand now that they are going to lose their jobs. They're going to lose their cars, their iPhones, their everything, she said. The whole world is in a bad position. Painting a bleak picture, Baranova said it feels like 1945, the final year of World War II, before quickly correcting herself, probably more like 1939, she said, referring to the year that World War II began. It is really pointless to predict anything, she said. We are watching a lie on my TV. Suddenly, Baranova then had to go. As her son's meal was ready, she told him to please put down his phone and eat. Before hanging up, she had one final message for Americans. Quote, Russians love their children, too, she said. Stay safe. Everybody stay safe. That line about Russians loving their children, too, of course, jumped out at me, given a recent Instagram video posted by none other than Sting last week. Just after the uh, war first broke out, the Grammy winner, formerly of The Police, uh, posted a video on Instagram singing his 1985 song called Russians, which he said is now more relevant than ever due to the war in Ukraine. Russians is off of Sting's debut solo album, The Dream of the Blue Turtles, and is, yes, about the Cold War, or at least originally it was. It feels as if it has... A renewed relevance today, especially given Baranova's comments at the end of that Fox News interview. Here it is in full. 
I've only rarely sung this song in the many years since it was written because I never thought it would be relevant again. But in the light of one man's bloody and woefully misguided decision to invade a peaceful, unthreatening neighbour, the song is once again a plea for our common humanity. For the brave Ukrainians fighting against this brutal tyranny and also the many Russians who are protesting this outrage despite the threat of arrest and imprisonment. We all of us Love our children. Stop the war. In Europe and America There's a growing feeling of hysteria Conditioned to respond to all the threats And the rhetorical speeches of the Soviet Mr. Khrushchev said we will bury you I don't subscribe to this point of view Be such an ignorant thing to do If the Russians love their children too How can I save my little boy From Oppenheimer's deadly toy There is no monopoly of common sense On either side of the political fence We share the same biology Regardless of ideology Believe me when I say to you I hope the Russians love their children too To put the words in the mouth of the president There's no such thing as a winnable war It's a lie we don't believe anymore We share the same biology Regardless of ideology And what might save us, me and you Is that the Russians love their children too Days indeed. Yes. As uh, Sting said there in his opening comment, we all of us love our children. Stop the war. Stop the war. Yes, please. That's going to do it for us today. My thanks to my guests today, Kate Nicewender and Kim Andrew Elliott of the Short Waves for Freedom Project, uh, which you can find and support at fundraiser.com slash radio waves. Fundraiser there is spelled F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R. Dot com slash radio waves. 
Thanks as ever, of course, to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for allowing us to join you for a part of your day or night. If you missed any portion of today's program or want to hear it again or want to share it with a friend or an enemy, you can download it uh, all for free at bradblog.com. That's made possible by those of you who are kind enough to help keep us on your public airwaves by stopping in at bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. We will see you there until we see you here next time. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Mm-hmm.